if you or your agency doesn't have a plan for what to do post cookies, uh, you're already behind. All right, gang, in this episode of the podcast, I'm sitting down with my good, good friend, Subi Ghosh, who's the executive vice president of strategic partnerships and marketing at Stream Companies. We're going to be talking about all of the hot topics you need to know in 2024, plus some things we just finally need to stop talking about already. Stay tuned. The car business is rapidly changing and modern car dealers are meeting the demand. I'm Michael Cirillo, and together we'll explore the best strategies, ideas, and tools to create a thriving life in and out of the business. This is The Dealer Playbook. All right, Subi, you brought up something before we started here. Actually, you brought up a couple of things. You're like, hey, can we just have like the three hour brain dump that we normally do? But you also brought up like, no wonder you are a vice president of strategic partnerships and marketing because you brought up a data point and it was so natural in the way you were. You were just like, did you know that you and I tend to catch up at the beginning of every year and at the end of every year? And we talk about all of the things we've observed during the year, which is like such a data analysis geeky thing to you. Have you always been a data junkie? Um, so <laughs> the irony of that is that the answer is yes. I've, I feel like I've always really understood and enjoyed studying data and patterns and behavior. It's why I switched from psychology to sociology um, in school, because I liked understanding patterns and human behavior in like the, the macro versus the micro. Um, the irony to all of this is over COVID, like so many other elder millennials, I started getting onto TikTok and TikTok taught me that I have some ADHD symptoms. And, and so I leaned into it and come to find out uh, I'm leaning into the way that my brain automatically behaves and I just see the world in patterns. So what I thought I was just really good at assessing data is just my brain automatically finding patterns and sharing it with me. And so I'm just leaning into it instead of <laughs> hiding it. <laughs> I love how you've like separated the entity of your brain from you. Like your brain, thank you brain for sharing this all with me. You know, what's interesting though, um, our, our brand new creative director on the show, Joe shared something with me the other day, and I had to immediately incorporate it into a talk I gave at an annual kickoff in Atlanta the other day, okay. which is your brain. And I'm so congratulations. Your brain is doing exactly what our brains were designed to do, which is to process and analyze data, not necessarily store and retain data. Um, yeah. and that got me thinking. Subi, I went online and I'm like, what, how does our brain blah, blah, blah. I can't remember what I asked, but it was like, your brain basically has the storage capacity of an eight gig hard drive. It is not designed to store data. It's designed to analyze and process data. Yeah. And luckily and, now we know your brain is different from you and it shares this data with you, which I'm so grateful The reason for. why I separate that is because when you're processing information and analyzing data, there's a lot of effort that goes into it. There's skill, there's, you know, there's, there's a structure and pattern um, mm -hmm. that allows you to then extrapolate information. Uh, there are also incredible skill sets that each of us have that we do innately. And that's the thing that I've been really interested in over the last year is each of us process information differently. So for me, those patterns are visual. 
I see it in front of me. I'm not putting effort into it. Um, and then once I see it, I can't shake it until I look into it more. Whereas the data I have to investigate and I have to put effort into it. And so to me, those are two different things, right? Like one's a super skill and one is hard work. Mm. Ooh, and I love that we're talking about data as we head into NADA, because if you remember, we're not freshmen anymore, by the we're way. We're not freshmen. NADA are- historically loves its topics. It loves its things that it gravitates towards. And big data was one of those a few years back. And then, of course, as time has gone by, we've we've leaned heavier into this idea of first party data, which I know you are living in day in and day out, especially through the different you know properties that you're overseeing at stream and and whatnot. What can you tell me about that? Because I think it's still going to be a hot topic coming into NADA throughout this year. What are we what are we missing when it comes to the discussion of first party data? Um, I think that our industry does a good job of latching on to hot topics and then productizing them. And when that happens, a lot, oftentimes people kind of glaze over and either they lean into the cool new thing and then they, they chase the thing that they're supposed to sign up with, which I believe tied very closely to first party data is going to be everyone pushing a CDP um, because that was one of the the things that kind of happened last year with this setting on fire about pursuing a CDP. Right. We've been talking about that for like three to five years. Um, <laughs> and we've been trying to warn people about what we affectionately call the cookie apocalypse, right? <laughs> cookie deprecation is not just upon us. It's happening. Um and throughout last year, you used that you, you as an advertiser, you used to be able to identify people um, that visit your your ad, that click on your ads. You can follow them around. You can market to them. Um, but we only were able to capture about twenty to thirty percent as of like June of last year, uh, if not earlier. And now we are it's negligible. And right. there's so many people that have kind of glazed over there. You know, someone's going to figure it out. Um, but the truth is it's been figured out already. We <laughs> in this particular industry haven't, you know, leaned into it as much, but it's there. It's out there. There's, there's solutions um, that have been tried and true and not just jumping on the hot topic. So if, if you or your agency doesn't have a plan for activating um, your, you know, retargeting and for what to do post cookies, uh, you're already behind. And, yeah. and first party data is a big part of that discussion because there is no greater audience than your own opted in audience. And right. the reason why I'm annoyed with this topic is that while it's a hot topic, some people have productized it and they're selling first party data to mm. dealers. Right. And that concept in and of itself is completely against what first party data stands no for. Party data. <laughs> right. Just because it's your first party data doesn't mean that it's my first party data to purchase it and then execute on it. Right. Um, so I feel like that's one of the things that is going to be muddled for a little while. But the people that lean in and engage and are having solutions in place 
are going to be way ahead of the competition. I think we're going to see market share shifts. Right. Yeah. And, and we need to get to a point in an effort to get to a point where we no longer have to have this conversation because it's common knowledge. Yeah. Let's touch on you're saying cookies. And for, for those that may still not be familiar with this concept, I go to a website, basically any website for any company in the United States of America. I'm pulling one up here. Doesn't matter which one really. And what do I get? I get a slide down or a slide up from the bottom that says, accept all cookies. I'm sure everyone listening and watching has experienced this. Are you saying that that concept is that that's already obsolete out the door? Yeah. Um, So if you remember, there was a lot of political discourse over the last, you know, three, four years about privacy. And that's only, you know, kicked up a notch since then. Um, But from all of that, even before that, actually, Apple was one of the first to start those discussions of protecting the consumer and limiting cookies because, while advertisers were using it to just kind of present information, which is great, other people were not using it in that same capacity. And there was a lot of selling of personal information and that type of thing, which I, I support that. Um, we are getting more vigilant about those things. I get that piece. But cookies are essentially obsolete because almost every browser, uh, there's the systems that people use in order to visit these websites, if they themselves are blocking it, it doesn't matter if the consumer has done it with their settings or not. Sure. And cookies are the piece that you were talking about earlier where, you know, I love this. People are like, I was, how does the internet know? I was just talking about Harry Potter land. And then I saw an ad for Harry Potter land. Well, it's the They're cookie. listening to me. That's <laughs> listening. That's a conspiracy. It's like, well, it's not a conspiracy. It is listening through it's cookies. Like a, a little piece that follows you around and knows that you visited the Universal Studios website mm-hmm. 28 days ago and so on and so forth. But now that gets more difficult. And to your point, people are productizing this idea of first party data. And, and you mentioned it earlier, but just to kind of tie a bow on it, you said that first party data is the data of a real human being who has opted in, who has expressed interest through your channels that you own as the dealer. Hey, before we hop back into this episode of the Dealer Playbook, we got to give a shout out to today's sponsor, AutoFi. AutoFi helps progressive dealers like you sell smarter, not harder on your dealership website, and now in your showroom too. AutoFi solves the everyday problems dealers actually face, like bottlenecks at the sales desk, customer distrust, and decision overload. And their all-new showroom solution includes deal estimation, desking, lender routing, and an F&I menu, all in one powerful platform that bridges the gap between the CRM and DMS. Dealerships with AutoFi can manage the floor more efficiently, fast-track the yes, and make better lending decisions, enabling them to sell cars faster with higher satisfaction and more profit. In fact, deals with AutoFi take an average of 28 minutes from customer check-in to loan approval, and dealers are making $411 more back-end PVR per deal. Go to autofi.com forward slash dealer playbook to learn more. That's autofi.com forward slash dealer playbook and start selling smarter today. All right, let's hop back into this episode. 
it's also completely unique to that business, right? It's not information that they're submitting on another site that may still show interest in your product on another site. These are, they're coming directly to you. They're, whether it be your website and they're submitting leads or chats, or they've purchased from you before, first party data is encompassing all of your direct consumer data. It's your audiences that we're really talking about here. It's not coming from a separate source. They're opting do in. Think, do you think it's because, gosh, I'm thinking of different factors that might contribute to this never ending dialogue, which is the first, you know, any conference I've been to, any marketing conference I've been to in automotive in particular, the narrative is there are three steps of the buying journey, awareness, consideration, and decision. And every time that happens, Subi, I'm like, what about retention and loyalty and brand ambassadorship? What about the, to your point, what about the 172,000 names in an email system that never gets communicated with or segmented or re-engaged or, or, or just or, gets or. horrible birthday anniversary messages <laughs> hammered over and over again instead of specifically curated messaging to that particular individual. I love when they get your name wrong too, because you, oh. you know it comes from an automated system, but it's like, happy birthday, Sharby. You're like, well. I literally just got one of those today yeah. and <laughs> S-I-B-Y. It's not even close, really. Um, S-I-B-Y. Yeah. I, I don't even know where they got my information from. <laughs> it doesn't make sense to me. It's not like uh, one person putting in a singular typo. It's somebody who just doesn't know how to type at all. Is this though where the CDP comes into it? Cause it's supposed to clean that and make sure it's accurate. Right. Yeah. It's also layering in all of those different sources because theoretically you have all these different systems that are capturing this information. You've got your CRM, maybe you have an ILM, you've got your DMS, you've got chat software, phone call software, you've got all these different things. And it's essentially bridging it all together and providing a single profile that is as accurate as you can get for that individual, um, yeah. from my understanding. Super nerdy, but this is the day and age we live in. You know, like, do you know, by the way, I'm sitting at the dinner table the other night okay, and I bring up my 14 year old Dallin says, Dad, um, did you have cell phones in school? Because like obviously all the kids have cell phones now and my kids don't. We we got our kids <laughs> Apple watches that they can call and text from. Mm -hmm. But it's like, oh, nay, nay, not doing the phone thing yet. But of course, <laughs> they press us. And I'm like, bro, you know, the big thing in my high school was pagers. And all three of my kids, Subi, they, were, they looked at me like that. They were like, what? I said, yeah. you said a what? I said, a pager. They're like, what did it do? Did it have games on it? I'm like, games? It's like, no, you got a little buzz on your hip. You looked at it on the little calculator LCD screen. And it was no surprise because it was always my mom's phone number. I, like, got, I, no I think <laughs> we're the same age, but clearly you're like 100 years older than me. Uh, grew up in Canada, five years <laughs> behind at minimum. <laughs> okay, fair point, fair point. Uh the most hurt I've ever been 
is when my goddaughter uh, looked at me and said, what do you mean you didn't get to see your pictures the moment you took them? She's like, why is your face cut off? I'm like, because we had to guess and hope that we got more than just our nose in it. We just turned the camera around. We all, and then we, we all took this camera to the Walgreens and waited an hour for those pictures. You waited an hour. Yeah, it's like, and we got to like, we had, if we're really impatient, we sat there and stared through the window at all the people wearing lab coats processing our photos for us. I and love we got it. a you physical, we got a physical picture. Oh, man. It's like this, yeah. and there's a point to this whole little side rant, but aside from filling me with glee and delightment, we're not that old, Subi. We're not. But and I you think know what? Age group does. We're the first and last of our age group. We're the first and last age group to know what it's like to have a closet filled with old PCs because we don't know how to get the photos off of them. <laughs> <laughs> I married a nerd. I don't have that problem. He takes care of all of my IT needs. Okay, that's fair. Um, now I have a little bit of anxiety because I probably should get those photos off. But, you know, the point is times are changing. I can't remember the futurist's name. We will have to include it in the show notes when I find it. But he essentially said that we are experiencing 100 years worth of innovation every five years. You know, I think that's a great jumping off point because I was thinking about something earlier when you were talking. We we consider and talk about this whole, you know, talking, tracking people and showing them an ad that they just looked at um, and, and influencing them in that way is almost creepy. But the reality is we're so used to it that our age group, super comfortable. Show me what it is I am looking for. You know, I, I would much rather not put in the work and you just serve me ads knowing that I'm looking for something similar. I think it's becoming so much more adopted. So as consumers are shifting, are, are we shifting with them? Or are we holding on to principles and ideas and tactics? Because that's what we did five or 10 years ago, especially for evolving at such a rapid rate. This has never happened to me before, by the way, until this morning, I'm brushing my teeth and my Amazon echo or whatever goes beep boop. And I'm like, what's the notification? And it was like, hey, these products that you've bought before are 28% off today. Would you like to add them to your subscribe and save? And I was like, how annoying. Of course I would. Uh, like, yes. I, I like, yes, of course I would. How I, dare you? But yes, off. add to cart. And I think we were the end of one generation and the beginning of another that understands it and things are evolving. But to your point, um, and, and this kind of ties into the data analysis piece. I want to get back to full circle moment for me here. In order to stay ahead of the customer and truly give them the experience that we all have been talking about that they deserve, mm -hmm. we need to be able to spend more of our human time mm -hmm. focusing our time, energy, and talents where they're going to be of most benefit to that end. And let technology do the things that we should have never had to waste our time with anyways, like yeah. cleaning customer data, like making yeah. sure Subi is spelled correctly. Like what 
you know, and, and there might be people listening and I'd love your thoughts on this, but there might be people listening saying, well, if I didn't do those things, then how do I retain the information? And it's like that back full circle. You don't need to retain the information. You need to process it and do something with it that it has a meaningful outcome yeah. for the customer, the person that Absolutely. gives you their hard earned dollars. Your thoughts. I agree. I mean, I think there's a lot of fear mongering too, just kind of adding on. There's a lot of fear mongering with, oh, AI, AI is coming to take all our jobs and it's, you know, it's not a hundred percent accurate. And, you know, people have been doing these things since ChatGPT came out. And what I've learned is when you lead into it, you can be the best version of yourself by getting the assist to be faster, better, stronger, it doesn't mean you have to change everything. It doesn't mean you have to pay exorbitant amount of fees to get some new product. It's just about leaning into the tools that are available for us today. And there are incredible tools that are, so imagine if you will, um, and Full Throttle is the partner we work with. I have a personal relationship with them. And so imagine if you will, instead of 7,000 emails going out hoping to convert that one shopper, um, they only get like a monthly statement. And in that monthly statement, they go in and say, oh, here's the health of my vehicle. And now I'm gonna tell you, got my service, uploaded that, here's the actual mileage, don't have this vehicle anymore. That to me is far more valuable than all the three or four vehicles that they may have that don't apply to them anymore. We're now spending money on advertising to them. We might be, there's just, we waste so much money because our data is so convoluted that right. the, the new, this iteration, this new technology, you know, we once needed just the DMS and then the CRM came into play and then, then like inventory solutions came into play. And now some of those are getting better and evolving while we have this assist that's saying, let's put it all together to make it actionable for you to actively engage your database in the right way at the right time for that consumer. And that to me, it. this powered by AI is not a scary thing. It's actually incredibly powerful. And the numbers they have over there are insane of percentage of opens and people actually cleansing their data. And so that tells me that there's an appetite for it if we just opened our mind to the new things that were out there. Yeah. I love how you bring up the addition of every new system. That's something we need to get out of our minds moving into this new year um, and into perpetuity is we no longer live in a day and age where wishing platforms spoke to each other is you know, like our industry hides under this cloak of, oh, that sounds difficult or that platform can't speak to that platform and it's not going to share data and it's not going to do this. But you're bringing up something that that I love that's near and dear to us. I mean, obviously, at at uh, at Flex, we are investing heavily in this concept, which is accuracy and speed to market. And you brought up something about how much money is being wasted on advertising right? Well, how much money is being wasted on advertising because your vehicles weren't merchandised properly, that they're missing photos, they're missing descriptions. You can't even get them to market to be relevant in front of an audience, right? 
because now now we're just now now I'm enraged. <laughs> I am um I'm glad you took the bait because I think that you sit here and you interview so many people and you talk to so many people and Every year when we go through our, you know, synopsis of what are you seeing, you know, where are we going as an industry? What should we be fearful of? What should we be planning for? You always have such great insights because of how exposed to the industry and brilliant people you are. But you gather this information and you share it so so um, freely with with your audience. And so um, I would like to flip the script a little bit because I think you have more insight that I would love to kind of ask you about. You cool with that? Yeah. Well, yeah. and this is interesting because, uh, wait, are you, t- wait, AI's not taking my job. Subi's taking my job. I am. All right. You probably noticed that Subi flipped the script and is now taking over the podcast. So I hope you enjoyed what has now become part one of my conversation with Subi Ghosh. Please click over and enjoy part two.